0: There is a pervasive lie that is upheld in our belief systems. Chances are you're buying into this belief right now, or you have at some point in your life. It's been passed down, inherited, and portrayed through various means across the centuries. I first got this belief installed through my attendance at church. In today's show, my goal is to take an ax to the root of this ancient tree that needs to fall down. Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. Hey guys, welcome to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. I wanna welcome you to the show if you're brand new or if you have been following along and listening. We've been building a pattern here. We've been laying down a foundation for the kingdom man. So guys, I got a question for you. Have you ever heard the question or the statement, I am called to ministry? Or maybe someone asked you, Do you have a call on your life? This question implies that some are called to a pulpit ministry, while others are simply not called. This question and this statement brings up a host of implications, and I want to explore a few of those with you right now. And here's what we can take away from a statement or a question like that. The called are elite. The called are better. The called are special. And if I'm not called to ministry, and usually in today's day and age, we would place that in the bucket of full-time church ministry, maybe vocational, um, working in a church building. And if I'm not called to these things, then I can never really be used by God in a powerful way. Sure, I can witness to someone, I can do a lot of good things in my day-to-day, but I'm not going to be used in that powerful way like I see with other men of God. And this basically says I'm relinquished to a life of ordinary work, and the best I can do is I can participate in a ministry service, I could serve within my local church, which is a great thing to do, Um, and I can also provide my finances, and I can bring in a portion of my income to supply and meet the needs and expand the gospel and the work of the local church and the church at large. And by the way, those are all great things. But I want to drop a bomb right here and say that when you chose to follow Jesus, you answered a call. He will continue to call you and he will impart vision and give you mission with the various assignments in your discipleship journey. Guys, we live life in levels, and we go from glory to glory, moving from one level, from one assignment to the next assignment, and it is a call that you answered when you became a Christian. It is a call that you answered when you entered the kingdom realm of God by accepting and living and devoting your life to Jesus Christ as a disciple. We are all called. You are called. However, we have built classes within Christianity. We see the called and we see the non called. We won't call them that, but that's what it implies. We see the professional and the layperson. We see the minister and the congregation. We see the professional Christian versus the amateur, or what's commonly described as the layperson. The work of the ministry versus work in a marketplace. So, what I want to do on today's show is I want to go back in time. I want to look through the pages of history to see where this first emerged, where this idea came from, that there's a professional class of Christians. And if I'm not serving in a full-time ministry organization, then I am not part of that class. So I want to rewind the tape back to century one. It's Good Friday. The ground is still soaked with the blood of Jesus From what he accomplished with his work on the cross. And on that day, we see some monumental things take place within the earth and specifically around that geographical location of Jerusalem. One of those things that happened was there was a curtain in the temple. And behind this curtain is where the priests did their work. It was the Holy of Holies, and it was ordained with a lot of specific guidelines and parameters of when a priest could go back there to minister to God. But essentially, what I want to get across to you is that this was a sacred place, and the ordinary person could not go back there. And when Jesus died on the cross, and when he paid that price for you and I, one of the things that happened is that curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, where a man could not have done it. This is a phenomenal picture. It's a powerful picture and symbol of what Jesus opened for us. When he died on the cross, he ripped open the heavens. He ripped open that curtain. He tore that curtain down that was separating you from entering into the Holy of Holies. And there's a lot we could say about that curtain. There was symbolism on the curtain. I'd love to break that down in a future episode. But right now, what I want to talk about is that there was this dividing line that is now torn in two. And as we move forward and we progress into the pages of the New Testament, into the years that go by after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are going to see the first century church emerge in power. And what we will notice is that we no longer have classes of people. You're going to see this documented through Paul's letters and all throughout the New Testament. You will see the early church functioning as a many-membered body. That is going to be one of the greatest metaphors we have for us as a church is that we are a body. We are a family. We're also going to be known as a building and a bride, but we are this many-membered body, this organism, this living, breathing organism that is connected to Jesus, and it's an amazing picture, and we don't see classes, and we don't see division, and we don't see professional and elites versus non-professionals. We are described as what Paul will call as one new man. Now, I do want to say there are ministry offices. We see these in Ephesians chapter 4. We see the gifts of the Spirit. We see motivational and redemptive gifts in Romans 12. You'll read about them in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. So in century one, you're going to see a powerful church with no class distinctions, with no preferential treatment, and you're going to see the body of Christ functioning as one new man. So what happened? What happened in church history where we now see these dividing lines in this professional ministry versus this lay congregation, which feels disempowered today at times because they feel like I am not called to much. I just work an ordinary job. And guys, I want you to hear my heart on this. I'm not here putting down the church. I love the church. I love ministers. I've been blessed. I have mentors. I have fathers, and they work in full-time ministry. So this is not a diss on any full-time ministry at all. Rather, this is talking to you as someone who may not be in full-time ministry, who's working a normal gig, and you are doing your thing, you're working in the daily grind, and I want want to talk about the call that God has on your life. Fast forward a couple hundred years and we have something that Oz Guinness refers to as the Catholic distortion. The Catholic distortion basically elevates the spiritual at the expense of the secular. That I'm only spiritual if I'm serving the Lord in this particular way. And that if I'm doing ordinary circumstances, if I'm working, if I'm doing the daily grind and all those secular activities, they're not viewed as special. They're not viewed as sacred. They're viewed as second. They're viewed as lower and basically second class versus this compartment or this box of when I serve the Lord in my spiritual activities. And guys, I love to talk about this because guys love boxes. I love boxes. We do this all the time. We have compartments for our life. Here's my work box. Here's my family box. Here's my church, my faith box. And we treat things and we break them up and we don't view life as a whole. And what Jesus does and what we learn from the Bible is that we are to view everything as sacred. Everything is spiritual. Everything we do is part of our call. Our call is not only on Sunday. Our call is not when we go to a weekly Bible study. Our call is just not participation in a local body, but you are called. I am called. And while we're doing our normal work, that is part of our calling. So if we go back to this Catholic distortion, we see that there emerged a professional priesthood. We see a dividing line. We still see it in the church today. And I want to let you know, guys, I am not Catholic. I'm more from a Protestant, non-denominational background. But if we look, the Protestants, even though we have not willfully embraced this— It still comes across in our attitude because we still ask the questions, Are you called to ministry? And we kind of set up, even though it may be spoken in some realms and certainly unspoken in other spheres, um, we will carry on this tradition, either knowingly or unknowingly, that there are a professional few ministering to many other people. And if you're part of the many, you're not necessarily part of the professional full time ministers. And what I'm seeing in the earth right now is a shift. If you've noticed this in different realms, in different influencers, and different people speaking, we're now seeing an attraction to understanding and an interest to understanding our work as worship, to understanding that everything we do is part of our call and it's part of our destiny and that God places us in specific seasons, occupations, and positions throughout our life As he's doing his work within us. Here's what I want to do for today, guys. I want you to reframe the way you view your life and your calling. Yes, you are called. You have a calling on your life. I don't ever want anyone to second guess that. When you came to Jesus, if you are a kingdom man submitted to the government of God and living for Jesus, you are called and you answered a call when you decided to follow him. So I want you to change your lens. I want you to start to view your work as holy and acceptable unto God, that everything you do, that everything we do, we should do with excellence. We should do it as unto the Lord. So here's three things that I want to leave you with to reframe and give you a new lens and to better understand where you are right now in this season of life. Okay, so number one, your work will change. Guys, at this point in time, I am in my 40s, okay? I've done many occupations. I've started businesses. I've worked for other businesses. I've been through training positions. um, And then I've had the opportunity to train people. I've interviewed for jobs. And then I've also had the privilege to sit on the other side of the table and interview others. And in every one of those seasons, in every one of those occupations that I believe the Lord allowed me to have, I was learning and I was growing. So here is the question. Number one, I believe God is predominantly interested in our conformity to Christ versus anything else. And that's what this life of Christianity is about. When we talk about the way of the cross, if you've been listening to the show, you'll hear me say that. If you've read the standard, you'll be familiar with this language, but Jesus calls us as a disciple and he invites us to follow him. And this is known as the way of the cross. It's picking up your cross. And part of picking up your cross is being conformed into the image of Christ. Is it to be an obedient son? And that happens through uncomfortable situations, from doing things we don't want to do, but the Lord allows us to experience, and part of that comes through your work. What is God looking to work into your character in this season as he's conforming you into the image of Jesus? What is happening right now on the job? What's happening with your daily activities? What's happening in life? that is putting pressure on you and causing you to be conformed. And you have an opportunity to choose how you will respond. You can agree and you can partner with God's work for your life, or you can kick against it and you can reject it and you can deflect it. And let me just tell you how that's going to turn out. You will get a chance to take the test again. All right, so what is God working into your character in this specific season? Okay, number two, I wanna drop this on you. What skills and traits are you getting and are you learning where you are right now in your life? And because we are men and because we work and the majority of our life will be spent at work, what are you learning and how can you grow from what you're learning? And think about the traits, think about the skill sets that you're learning from your job. How can you be a good steward with that? I'm going to give you three biblical models for this. So guys, let's look at the life of Moses. Moses lived in Egypt for 40 years. He was familiar with their culture, with their work, with their understanding and their ways. And later in life... Moses will take that foundation and that will help. That's part of his transformational leadership journey. Um, God will use those experiences of what he learned and how he was trained as he leads the people of Israel. If we look at Joseph, has a similar pattern. He goes into slavery. He goes into the palace in Potiphar's house, and he's trained in the ways and the culture of Egypt. And this is also forming his leadership journey as he moves to taking his position and that assignment where he leads his nation. And we can also look at Jesus, who for over 30 years of his life is going through the daily grind, working an ordinary blue-collar job, and that no doubt built his character. He grew in favor with God and with man is what the scripture says. And it led him into that pattern of the perfected son, modeling sonship, modeling obedience and stepping into his ministry. So this is not even above Jesus. Jesus did work. He did roles. He did things that he may not have wanted to do, but it was forming who he was to become. And it was also a model for us, That we can find God and we can be used in the ordinary and that while we're doing the ordinary, while we're doing the mundane, while we're doing what might seem like mediocre tasks day in and day out, God is using that in our life to form his character in us and to conform us to the pattern of his son. And my last thing for you is what can you contribute where you are right now? So you're learning, you're growing, you're reframing, and you're looking at everything different, but what can you contribute? How can you expand your influence? How can you grow on the job? How can you grow in this season of life and where and how can you leave a deposit? How can you make things better where you are right now? You know, we just mentioned Joseph when he was in the prison, he caused that place to function. He was promoted into the ranks of Potiphar's house, still serving as a slave, but he was stewarding. He was um, he was bringing excellence and he was serving with excellence with everything he did. And that led to his promotion, even when he was in a season or in a position that most of us would say we would we don't want to be slaves. We don't want to be a servant there. But he took that and he served God as an act of service by serving in that position to the fullest and with excellence. And that is what led to his promotion. That's powerful, guys. Think about that right now. If you don't like where you are, how can you serve with excellence? How can you do the job even better? How can you honor the people you work for? How can you honor the customers you serve? How can you do this? And as you do that, you are submitting your ways and your work to the Lord and watch trust me on this, guys, promotion will come around the corner. It may not come the way you think or the timing you want, but when we serve with excellence, this is what happens next. We go from level to level. And we go from glory to glory. So guys, I want you to reframe the way you view your calling and your work. I want you to understand your work will change, but it's not about your work. It's about your character. It's about how God is conforming you to his image in the season you're in right now. And guys, what can you contribute to your environment where you are right now? What can you contribute to your family? What can you contribute to your work? Even though you might not be fully satisfied in the season you're in, what can you do? All right, guys, until the next episode, let's raise the standard. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map, and you can get it at standard59.com. In the map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get the map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them and please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.